Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. At some point, the media is going to wake up and say, how did we lose not just some of our credibility, but all of it? And I'll be able to uh, point them to this little folder that I keep on my laptop where I clip stories that are just so wrong, knowing full well that people will call me a conspiratorialist or something. And then I wait until the story proves to be exactly what I said it was and uh, not a conspiracy. Today, there's a, a you know big headline because they love... Big headlines. As long as you put Trump and make a picture of him looking really mad or silly or something, oh, they love that. Now it's the mouth. Now they're calling him the mouth. Trump tells cheering crowd he would encourage Russia to attack NATO for not paying dues. So, of course, the White House calls that appalling and unhinged. And I'm along with uh, many Republicans. Just shrug that off. It's ridiculous. Even people who totally disapproved of Donald Trump after watching four years of a Trump administration got quiet and now they're uh, they're getting on board. I can tell you that right now. Marco Rubio, our senior senator, he's done kiss the ring. Ted Cruz groveling at Mar-a-Lago. Why? Because this president this time, when he becomes 47, he is going to look for loyalists, people who supported him, even when there was a good uh, you know, reason to run away, where they think he got out of line, where he basically does get out of line quite a bit. Thank God, somebody's got to get out of line. We're living in this insane world And I can't actually go through this entire program without talking about the the Super Bowl because it was a very big deal. I was really surprised at how big a deal it was, how people really were, uh, people who would normally go out to the various places. I do, I go out on Sunday evenings normally and the streets were empty which I kind of predicted, everybody, because I went out at seven o'clock, so everybody was in front of the television set, whether it was at home or a friend's house or at the bar or a club, whatever. Everybody was watching Super Bowl 58, I think it was, whatever. And it's fascinating to me how uninterested I was. I didn't care, wasn't checking scores, 
but I made it home just in time for the halftime show. And I had made some pretty not nice comments about the halftime show on Friday when my son Derek was doing the TMZ segment on my show. And I said, oh, I don't know him. I don't care. Usher this, usher that. And so I was not excited about the show. But I got here literally one minute before the halftime show started. So curiosity may have killed the cat, but it got me. And I walked over. My husband, of course, was watching. And I walked over and I sat down. And it started, the, the piece started, and I said, whoa, talk about a, a you know big ego. Because I guess when you're the star of the halftime show at the Super Bowl, you have a big ego for a reason. You got selected. Nobody else did this year. And so he had some kind of white outfit and took off the cape. I mean, it was very dramatic. It was singing a song. I wish I could tell you I knew more Usher songs, but I don't. I know maybe two. Uh, the song was very nice. I thought it was great. I was surprised. I had forgotten how good a dancer he was. He was dancing. And I thought, this is really okay. This isn't so bad. And then it got good. Then the dancing started in earnest. And then this this woman comes out with a guitar. And she looked very odd. But, you know, this is a Super Bowl halftime show. Everybody's in these kind of costumes. I had no idea what was about to happen, but it was following a performance on a red piano that looked like a stiletto heel, and Alicia Keys played the piano, sang, then got up and took off her top, not her whole top, but took off this whatever scarfy thing she had on, and when I tell you, she was breathtakingly beautiful, and I believe she has two two kids now. Um, but wow, she looked phenomenal. Uh, she did a, a duet with Usher. It was very sensual and, and, and it was beautiful. Two beautiful voices. And then all of a sudden, a girl with the guitar comes out. She's called Her, H-E-R. And I have heard her sing before, but never knew that she was quite this much of a superstar already. They're saying she's the new prince. So that'll tell you everything you need to know because I think Prince was a very a monumental figure in modern music. But anyway, she, she did not much, but, you know, she was there. And then a bunch of rappers came out, like Ludacris, and I don't even know who the other one. Somebody told me Little John. I don't know who that is. But they came out, and there were a whole bunch of people on roller skates, including Usher, dancing on roller skates. Now, I used to roller skate, and I could do a little bit of dancing on roller skates, but it ain't easy. And you're not in front of millions of people and then more than millions on a television screens all over the place. And you can't afford to fall down and you got to look as good as you did with your shoes on. They did a phenomenal job. I was super impressed by that whole thing. I thought the halftime show was rocking. Not my generation. Didn't have a clue who most of the people were up there. But it was really well done. And I got to give it to Usher and Jay-Z or whoever put that together because I, uh, I, who did not watch the Super Bowl and could care less about football and hardly ever watch the, the halftime show, had a great, I thought it was great. And that's really, for coming from me, that's like double great. I did not, uh, you know, have the misfortune of watching tons of uh, 
Taylor Swift dancing in a box moves, and I don't care. Um, but she was all sparkly, and she did come down on the field, and he went full Elvis. I watched a, a clip of him really jumping all over and screaming at some coach, but he's a mush. He was he was going to cry because he was tears were welling up, and okay, I get it. So that's it. That's all I know about the the uh, the thing. Now, of course, all the headlines are in the conservative papers. Usher fizzles in lame halftime show. And one of my friends had sent me a text that, oh, this was, I'm, I'm underwhelmed by this halftime show. So look at this. I, uh, I enjoyed it. I have, I have very strange tastes when it comes to music. I love R&B. I, I, I love the, the, chem, the chemistry between men and women in a, in a good R&B song. I saw that with Alicia Keys and Usher. I was a satisfied customer. Anyway. Got to move from that because on the very same day that this was all happening, this uh, woman walks in, or I don't know if she's a woman or not. She's a trans pro-Palestinian gunwoman who walks into Joel Osteen's church and had Free Palestine scrawled on her AR-15 rifle. And she had a five-year-old kid with her who was critically injured. And she also ended up shooting some 57-year-old bystander, a trans female shooter. This isn't the first time that phrase has been said, right? I mean, we're not allowed to talk about the shooter who went into the school who was trans. We can't say anything. That case, like, disappeared. Pretty profound. The shooter has been identified as Jeunesse Yvonne Moreno, 36, who previously used the name Jeffrey and has a lengthy criminal record going back to 2005, including assault, weapons, marijuana possession, and forgery charges. Moreno entered the megachurch with a seven-year-old boy just before a Spanish language, language service was set to begin. She was wearing a trench coat and backpack and carrying a yellow rope that appeared to be a detonation cord. She sprayed some type of substance on the ground and started firing before two off-duty cops who were working at the megachurch shot her dead. The child, also critically injured, is not expected to survive. The Montgomery County District Attorney's Office told the Houston Chronicle, police said on Monday they believe she is the biological mother of the child who was shot in the head. But it's all normal. You know, l let me reiterate that these, uh, you know, these people who are struggling with gender dysphoria, there's nothing really wrong. There's no mental illness or anything there. And we're not allowed to talk about them as though they have a problem. But they have a problem. They absolutely have a problem. When you're a trans woman with your own child and you decide to shoot up a church, and you and your child end up dead, or he's almost dead, you got some problems. And we got to stop pretending it's not a problem. It's a problem. It's a real problem. Anyway, uh, my, my sympathies to the people at uh, Joel Osteen's church. 
That's a terrible thing. It'll make everybody nervous, as if people weren't having enough trouble getting back to church after COVID. Now we got to start the shooting in churches again. Thank God for the police, policemen and gun-carrying uh, parishioners who were there. And mind you, don't go into a church where there's not some kind of moderation of the crowd. That's all I'm going to say. All right. Don't forget to download the 850 app. That way you can get all of the contests and all the breaking news. Listen to podcast after podcast right there on your phone or your laptop. It's the 850 WFTL app or just visit the website 850WFTL.com. I'm going to take a break. I'll be right back. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. So whether or not I uh, am a football fan really doesn't make any difference because the Super Bowl is the Super Bowl. World Series is the World Series. Championship games are something that people will inevitably tune into. And apparently last night's game was good enough to hold everybody's attention, and that's that's a great thing. But I got to get back to the stuff that uh, I think really gets overlooked, especially when we have such a crazy weekend where you have a shooting in a church and you have Super Bowl and, you know, you have uh, Nikki Haley still fighting for some unknown reason against Donald Trump. I mean, sometimes you just got to learn to say it's over. But Kamala Harris came out and made a, a very, you know, strange statement because you know, first and foremost, she denied any of the truth to Robert Hur's report. And the Democrats are playing it like, oh, this guy, this was a hatchet job. You know, Donald Trump is attacked every single day. But if a report comes out that says Joe Biden might be senile, which we all know is true, ah, it's a hatchet job. Vice President Harris was detailing her priorities for the campaign. I think she was talking to the Wall Street Journal. And so she was on Air Force Two. And she was asked, do voters' concerns about President Biden's age mean that you have to convince us that you're ready to serve? She said, I am ready to serve. There's no question about that. Everyone who sees her on the jobs walks away fully aware of my capacity to lead. See, that's not the word I've ever gotten from the staffers. It's more like her capacity to bully, but anyway. The findings have intensified the scrutiny on Harris, age 59, the first woman and black vice president, whose tenure has been marked by criticism of her political skills. What has been quiet talk of whether Harris could step into the presidency is now spilling into the open. There's always going to be a lot of scrutiny and pressure on her in the 2024 campaign. And that moment's here now. According to Jennifer Palmieri, who worked in the Obama and Clinton administrations and then was the uh, part of the campaign that Hillary Clinton ran in 2016, she said, I think that the special counsel's report has sort of accelerated that moment. 
Well, no kidding. When you get a report that says the guy willfully shared secret information with a ghostwriter, poorly handled uh, paperwork that really is very confidential. So, you know, it is going to damage him. I don't know Robert Hur from from Ben Hur, but but apparently. He just told everybody what we kind of already knew. And now the fun begins, right? Because now you got to make that go away. So what has she been doing lately, Kamala Harris? I mean, if she's ready, has she taken on more responsibilities? Has she become, you know, a messenger on, well, I guess she has on abortion rights. She was put in charge of the new Office of Gun Violence Prevention at the White House. And apparently... They've assigned her a higher profile role in the handling of the war in Gaza. She's the one then pushing Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, and uh, you know she wants him to be more empathetic to the Palestinian people, to focus on a post-conflict Gaza plan. Oh, they're focused on a post-conflict Gaza plan. Uh, there won't be any Hamas in Gaza. That's the plan. And Gaza, if it's going to ever be able to rule itself, are going to have to be the ones to get rid of Hamas. How about that? Shortly after the special counsel report was released, Harris's team was asked by West Wing aides to appear on Sunday news shows to defend the president, according to a person familiar with the request. Harris didn't want to wait. At an event on Friday, Harris publicly slammed the report as politically motivated and gratuitous, defending the president strongly as being on top of and in front of it all. Now, come on. Maybe you can make the case that he's not completely falling apart, but you can't make a case that he's on top of it. Guy confuses the, you know, the leader of Egypt with the leader of, Mexico. These are relatively important people in the overall international dynamic to the President of the United States. So, hey, you ought to be able to get them right. But, hey, you, you can understand why they sent her out and why she's eager to go out. Because this is her only chance to convince people that she's ready to assume the presidency. So I don't think there's a single person in America, not even Jill Biden, not even those with, I believe, nefarious motives who think that they can get Joe Biden through another four years. It's just impossible. The, the, any president looks terrible after four years. Maybe not this terrible, but it's a tough job, man. Your hair turns gray. You got lines on your face. You lose the sleep. You weight is fluctuating. You either get fat or you get thin. I get it. Tough job. Joe Biden can't do it again. He, he just can't. So we know that. And we know that it would be very politically unwise to bypass Kamala Harris. You've got to give her the first crack at the ring, which is why I think they actually have uh, left him on the ballot because they don't care if he lasts three days or three months or three minutes. They're positioning her, and they have to. 
because there's no serious talk of replacing him on the ticket. So if in all the filing deadlines, especially for primary ballot access, have already closed. So if he were to withdraw at the convention, which is what everybody's hoop-hooping about, you would still have to, somebody has to earn the required delegates to take Biden's place at the party's convention in August. And if it were to happen after the convention, that would require a meeting of the DNC and they would decide the party's presidential ticket. That's according to DNC rules. It's different in the Republican National Committee, but that's their rules. So allies of Harris are already saying, ah, they didn't know what to do with her. They didn't utilize her right in the White House. And she, she's positioning herself. She'll be great. Okay. It's one of the few issues that Democrats actually have an advantage on ahead of the 2024 election polls show. Many voters who don't like the Biden administration's handling of the war in the Middle East and immigration policy, who are concerned about the president's mental and physical health and feel dissatisfied with the economy, abortion rights are their issue now. And she's the one. She's the one who points to her experience as a prosecutor on sexual assault cases, dealing with women and children. She says she is uniquely suited to champion abortion rights. For all I know, she may have had one. She doesn't have any children of her own. She talks about the issue in a way that is rare for elected officials. She describes the consequences, at times in explicit detail, of the Supreme Court Dobbs decision, which ended federal constitutional protections for abortions. So trust me, as her sign says behind her every time she speaks, trust women. The VP has, you know, this is her thing. Women had miscarriages and women were raped and women had incest and we can't allow that era to come back. Like, uh, it's here. You're just saying we should handle it differently. She said, I do believe that the majority of people have an empathy gene during an interview aboard Air Force Two. And the more they realize what has actually been happening since the Dobbs decision came down, the more open they are to consider the fundamental point, which is, should the government be telling a woman what to do? It makes me want to throw up because her government, the Democrats, the liberals, are always telling us what to do. They're telling us we can't drive gas cars. They're can't telling us we can't have a gas stove. They tell us we, we should be riding bicycles if we can't get an electric car. They tell us not to eat this, yes to eat that. The government made us all take a shot that they didn't know how it worked or if it would work. So I'm with you. I'm with you, Kamala Harris. The government should not be able to tell a woman what to do. But that doesn't mean that she gets to arbitrarily without any discussion or any options presented to her, terminate a, a life. Sorry, the two don't line up for me. She, when she talks to these crowds of mostly women, oh, it's all about abortion. That's She's running on abortion. I don't believe you can run and win the White House on that subject. Just saying. Anyway, let me take a break. You stay right where you are. I'll be right back. So it is what it is. 
It's going to be a campaign from hell on both sides. But this is, this is how a republic works, and this is how democracy operates. You don't want to see how the sausage is made, but you better watch. So we'll see. Uh, you know, I feel as though Donald Trump was unleashed by this report, this her report, because at this point, anybody who's going to make a comment about Donald Trump is going to have to deal with the fact that as loud and wild and some people even say dangerous Donald Trump is, the guy he's going to be running against has been declared a wishy-washy old man who forgets everything. This is America. When given a choice between the Terminator and uh, I don't even know who to make the, <laughs> the kindly and, and Mr. Rogers. Uh, uh, but if Mr. Rogers was a liar and a forgerer and a plagiarer, that's who Donald Trump's going up against. And then the, the whole VP uh, stuff starts to matter. Because I, I, you know, I've seen all the pictures. Every time you see Joe Biden and you see Kamala Harris together, and her little head is right there, you know, uh, over or next to his right shoulder, all I can think of to myself is, that woman looks terrified, as she should. She knows that this is the hands in which our security rests. And she can get up there and say, oh, he's great, everything's fine. All she wants, we get to see it's not so fine. And I'm sure she gets to see way, way more than we do. And now, you know, it's all MAGA. MAGA stinks. MAGA's no good. Now the rhinos are out there and they're just, they're, they're pounding or beating the drums on MAGA. Got to stay away from MAGA. Mitch Connell's the last bulwark against MAGA. Well, maybe what they haven't realized is that the American people, particularly conservatives and Republicans, we don't want a bulwark against MAGA. You see, we think that if the Republican Party had united behind MAGA, that we would have gotten a lot more of the things that we wanted done, done. We also believe that we would not be looking at an invasion of the Ukraine by Russia. We would not be looking at Taiwan quaking in its boots, if a country can wear boots, uh, waiting to see what China's going to do. We also believe that our children would not be dropping dead from fentanyl overdoses every day. That's what MAGA believes now. So if you think as a Republican Party that you can move away from Donald Trump or move away from the MAGA people like me, think again. Because whenever you do that, you lose. You can put all the you know, nice guy Republicans you want and throw them into the arena and watch them get slaughtered every time. I had to sit through some of the worst, ugh, uh, John McCain, Mitt Romney. These were not people that 
any conservative felt excited about supporting? I, I don't even know anybody who was a Mitt Romney fan. I just, oh yeah, Coulter was for a while. But she's lost her mind anyway, and that was probably the first indicator I should have known. <laughs> but, but you look at it, what was his name? The, the wonderful old Robert Dole. I mean, come on. Robert Dole? That's not conservatism at its finest. That's the old guard. And I may be part of an older guard, but I want youthful leadership. I want leadership that actually has courage. I want leadership who served this country in other capacities recently. I don't need a, a, a Korean War veteran in there necessarily, but I should have some Iraqi War, Gulf War veterans sitting in Congress. I want leadership that actually adheres to the conservative principles of a Donald Trump, however they choose to frame that. Brian Mast, there's a lot of men and women who are serving right now and who understand that MAGA's not a dangerous concept. MAGA's not anything. Make America great again shouldn't be scary. What we represent, though, is a group of people who got sick and tired of being promised one thing and then not even being delivered something else. It's like when the Amazon truck pulls up and you ordered you know, two bags of your favorite uh, flavored pipe popcorn and you open up the box and it's got like you know, Kool-Aid mix in it. We, we can't, we're tired of what's in the box not being what we were asking for. And with Donald Trump, we didn't get a lot of that. Most of what he said, he went out there and tried to do. And a lot of it got done. You know, I will never forget president after president after president promising that we would move the Jerusalem into Jerusalem. We would move the embassy in Israel to Jerusalem. I heard Clinton say it. I heard Bush say it. Both Bushes said it. I heard Obama say it. They all said it, but none of them could do it. And they all said, oh, we don't want to start a war. And then uh, Donald Trump said, we're not going to start a war. That's where they want the embassy. That's where they put the embassy. If we tell people you got to put your embassy in Washington, D.C., we don't give them a choice and say, but if you prefer going to New York City. No, it's not like that. But they, get, they just, they just love the power, and could care less about the foundation, the, the, the incredible Constitution, which gives them some power, but it gives us all power. That's the part of living in America that is not only undersold, it's not being taught to our children. They don't understand what a dynamic country this is and how we have been able to achieve such greatness because we allow individuals to do things and we don't expect them to be done <laughs> for the government. We don't own, the government of our country doesn't own the things that we do, doesn't own our businesses, we own our businesses. They may over-regulate them, but then we fight back and say, take those regulations off. We can't do business like that. We don't have state-run businesses, although we do seem to have a state-run media. We don't. 
And there's a reason. The only, only place you can go where the state controls the prices is at the PX if you're in the military. But other than that, if Walmart can sell chicken for $1.99 a pound and public sells it for $3.99 a pound, that's the choice of the consumer. And I've heard people make you know, excuses or reasons for why they choose to go to either store. But, but that free market, it's turned this country into a very thriving, healthy, entrepreneurial, excitable country. And we got people in power right now who are sick of it. They don't want the freedom that you have. It interferes with their plan. You see, they have a plan. And I don't like their plan. So I look for candidates who don't like their plan and aren't afraid to uh, not run away, aren't afraid to run headlong into their plan, aren't afraid to present a better plan. You know, I like it when I see like the long form Levin show once in a while and I'll have somebody on there who actually has like a better plan. It could be somebody I like or somebody I don't like. It could be Ted Cruz. Eh. But when Ted Cruz makes certain observations and says, if we were to do this, we could expect these results, I sit up and pay attention. When Victor Davis Hanson starts outlining uh, the retraining of young minds for civics, I sit up and take notice. This is what we got to be paying attention to. Because underneath all of the mess, there's no foundation anyway. Nobody knows how this operates. They tell you, oh, well, it's, we're a democracy. No, we're not. No, we're not. And anybody who graduated in the year I did, went to school in the 50s and 60s, never would say, oh, we're a democracy. We would say, we're a republic. And we can tell you the difference. We've got three branches of government, and we knew what they were, except for AOC. But for the most part, she was on the younger side. They stopped teaching that stuff, I guess. But we need to bring it back. You know, I don't need more books in the schools that, uh, you know, show uh, show two gay teenagers how to have sex. You know, that's the kind of books that they've got in this scholastic book review thing. Come on, man. How about a book that says, when a law is passed in Congress, it then moves to the Senate, and then there's a process of bringing the bills together and creating a piece of legislation which is then presented to the executive branch, to the president of the United States. If there's a problem with it, then we bring in the, the Supreme Court justices to evaluate the constitutionality of that same law. But there's three, three groups that have to be involved. Kids don't know that. Old adults don't know that. It's our fault. We thought it was more important, you know, to watch a, a series about some drug dealing mama than to be a mama and tell your kids how this country really operates. Anyway, coming up after me is Eric Erickson, followed by Joe Pags, Lars Larson, the overnight guys, and then tomorrow morning at 6 a.m., Jen and Bill will be back with the South Florida Morning Show, followed at 9 by Brian Kilmeade, and at noon, by Dan Bongino. I'll be back at three tomorrow, but I have one segment left today, so don't touch that dial. I'll be right back.
So I don't feel bad for Mitch McConnell. Everybody's talking about, oh, poor Mitch. Nobody has any respect for Mitch. Yeah, okay, big deal. It was a good week last week for Donald and a bad week for Joe. But it was a bad week for America. There's actually a Texas town right now under martial law, Eagle Pass. Cops and troops are literally seizing their property and questioning locals because they're at the epicenter of the migrant crisis. The migrants have overwhelmed every sector in Eagle Pass. But the state troopers and the federal responses, well, they've overwhelmed the Texas residents too. Eagle Pass normally has a population of 28,500 people and is now ground zero in this political fight. The National Guard took over, and that means that uh, they pretty much can take anybody's property temporarily. And if you look at this, what's going on over there, you got lawmakers, celebrities, and journalists all flocking over there to give their two cents on this migrant border crisis. Well, everybody except uh, the border czar, Kamala Harris. Everybody else goes there. And the issue has become exacerbated. The southern border looks crazy right now. Eagle Pass resident Jesse Fuentes, age 63, who owns a kayak business, whose lifeline is the water, the Rio Grande, told the Dallas Morning News, we can't even see the water. We can't even touch it because they put up barriers. And no matter what your uh, position is on this, everybody's lives have been turned upside down. And the federal government's first and most important job is to secure and protect its citizens. That's me and you. The banks and the parks that lead to the river have been under state control for over a month. So the kayak services are really only used now by journalists. That'll cause his business to fail, and it's probably not the only one. He thinks that Governor Abbott is cruel and abusive. He doesn't care. He doesn't care about what's happening in our community. We didn't sign up for this. So you have this area of land. It's a 47-acre Shelby Park. Used to be a very popular plot of land that people used to go there, have picnics, parties, and it was also an entryway for the only public boat ramp. And now you can't get on there. And, and Greg Abbott was was definitely bragging about that when he did his news conference. He said, we have the park. And even federal border patrol agents can't go into the park. We're expanding, he said, to further areas to make sure that we deter and deny illegal entry into the United States. Shelby Park will stay under state control as long as it takes to maintain security and eliminate crossings. So if you own a pecan orchard, your lives have been made miserable because you are either struggling against the illegal immigrants stripping your trees or you are dealing with the authorities. 
You go to a shopping store and now you're competing with a migrant population. Prices go up and your pecan farm gets in the way, so they bulldoze it. And then they lock and line it with concertina wire. And you're out of business. Now, the National Guard keeps catching mi migrants on their property, but even they have been questioned, stopped and questioned for being on their own land. I want them off my property, Urbina, the owner said. I want my property back. They're taking over because they want to. She said the areas of her land have been bulldozed, locked, and lined with razor wire in part of the effort to stop the movement of people. Now, we're happy about that. We'd like to not see so many illegals storming into the country. But what happens to the people who live in these towns? They want to have a baseball game at the park. Not going to happen. they got to find other locations to play now. Want to go shopping? Probably got to be more careful. A lot of people at the stores buying up the things you need, pushing the prices up. So many ramifications. So much to do when 47 gets back in office. Anyway, I thank you for your time this time. Until next time, my plan is to be back here tomorrow at 3 o'clock if it be his will and he delays his coming. Remember what lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So wherever you are, just be yourself because everybody else is taken. And then may God bless you and may God bless Israel and may God bless the United States of America. We sure could use a blessing right about now. Do the right thing. I'll see you tomorrow at 3. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.